Good morning, everyone. Have you come together to bless the Lord? Let's, let's stand together. Lord, we lift you up in this place today. We welcome you, O oh God, to have your way. Spirit, move like you want to, Lord. Hallelujah. Let's bless it together, church. Let's sing to him. And they praise the weapon that silences the enemy. Oh, let praise be a weapon that conquers all anxiety. Let it rise. Let praise arise. When we sing your name in the dark and it changes everything. Oh, we sing with all we are and we claim your victory. Let it
This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you, we praise you. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you, we praise you. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you, we praise you. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you, we praise. We'll see you break down every wall. We'll watch the giants fall. Stop! 
in Jesus through all of it and he has got me I mean you know when they look at you and say well we're testing you for leukemia well we're testing you for this we're testing you for that we don't know what's wrong with you but we're testing you for this and I said you know what my God has this I am not the only one in this house that fights battles we all fight different kinds of battles we fight battles of grief we fight battles of tribulation in our own lives. We fight all kinds of battles. And we stand there and we allow Satan to bang us down over and over again and say, why do you believe in a God? Look what he's done for you, nothing. Why are you trusting in him? You've been praying a long time, but you're still facing that battle. But let me tell you something, God, is with us. Jesus is with us. He will help us overcome anything that we're going through. And if I can stand here and say that, you can too. We need to look at Satan in the face this morning and say, no, you're not doing it in my family. No, you're not doing it with my body. No, you're not doing it to my friends. No, you're not doing it in my job. No, you're not going to do it because you know what? He's working against us. Why? Because he knows he doesn't have that much more time. But we got to believe in Jesus. We got to keep moving forward. We got to keep fighting so we can win those around us that need us, that need to hear Jesus. We need to fight him. We might all be in a valley. But you know what? He's there. When we walk through the fire, what is he? He's there. When we face adversity, what is he? He's there. If you have something, and I believe there's more than just me in this house today that's fighting something. Tina, you fight something every day. But you know what? God's there. God is there. You know what, David, your children, your grandchildren are fighting stuff, but you know what? God is there. If he can heal you, he can heal your grandbabies. God can do it. You know, we may not have all the money we need. We may not have what we think we need, but God is there. He will provide when you think there's nothing left. 
He is there. But you know how He gets there? You got to believe in Him. You got to have faith. You got to say, I believe in you no matter what. No matter where I am, I believe in you, Jesus. And I want Beth to sing that one more. You know what? I think she might have a valley in her life too. And you know what? How do we overcome? We're an overcomer because we fight against what Satan tells us.
give him glory, give him honor. We bless you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Continue to worship as pastor comes. You may be seated. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Can somebody lift their hands and give God glory in this house today? Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are always there, ready to help us, ready to move on our behalf. If you're glad to be here today, could you shout amen? amen. I've got several announcements. Please do not allow me to forget that. That's your job. You got one job, announcements at the end of this service, because I want to get right into the Word today. Uh, Friday afternoon, I was praying and, and just meditating, and um, the Lord just birthed something in my spirit when I saw it. I knew that it was exactly where I was going to be going today. And I guess we're going to title it today in big letters because I wanted it to be very, very, with a lot of emphasis, that He knows. That's what the Lord kind of put into my spirit, dropped it Friday. And He wanted me to let you know this today. I want to read from Job chapter 1. I'm going to read verse 6 through 12, get right into the scripture so I can get all, all of this done. One day, one day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord from roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job that there is no one on earth like him? This is God speaking. He is blameless. He is upright. He is a man who fears God and he shuns evil. Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied. Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything that he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks, his herds are spread throughout the land. But now, if you will stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, he will surely curse you to your face. Then the Lord said to Satan, Very well then, everything he has is in your power, but on the man himself do not lay a finger. That means I'm going to allow you to try him, but you are not going to be able to kill him. There's times we go through trials and we think it's going to kill us. But the story of Job teaches us that there's a point that he says, don't you lay a finger on their life. This trial is not going to kill you. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. I have read the, the Bible my entire life. When I was coming up, Mama didn't give me a Harry Potter book to read. I guess Harry wasn't out yet. She didn't give me Thomason to train. I remember I got me a little children's illustrated Bible. And that's what we read in my house. I learned the story of Jonah and the whale. I watched Noah build the ark. I saw all the beautiful animals. That was the book that I read. It has been the book for me for my entire life. I don't want to be an Apostle Paul at this moment and say I speak in tongues more than you all. Look at me. But I have read that Bible through numerous times. 
in four or five different versions that I think are good translations of the Bible. And I constantly every year go through one of those different translations and read the Bible. I am learning something every single time that I read it. But when I read Job chapter 1 and the seven verses that I just read to you, I'm going to go ahead and tell you it's a lot to process in this verse. These seven verses is a lot to process. There is a lot that is going on in this scripture that your mind starts just jumping leaps and bounds thinking, what in the world is going on here? What is God doing? What is God, what's the point that God is trying to prove to us? What is he trying to prove to Job? So I'm going to break it down really simple, as simple as I can today. The first point I want to make from my text is this, and that is that we have an adversary and his name is Satan. An adversary is not a friend. An adversary is a foe. An adversary is not out to help you. An adversary is out to hurt you, to harm you, to ultimately destroy you. The job of Satan is the bipolar opposite of God. According to 1 Peter 5, 8, he is constantly walking around. In our text, it said, where have you been, Satan? He said, I've been going to and fro. I'm going from here to there to yonder, just trying to find somebody that I can tempt. See, understand with me, the Bible teaches us that he is walking to and fro on the earth, a roaring lion walking to and fro, but he is seeking whom he may what? who he may devour. It is the job of the devil to destroy your life. He wants to destroy your house, your home. He wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your school. He wants to destroy your church because that is what the devil does. But I need you to know that there's two things about the devil that you need to grab from our text. The first one is that the devil is a deceiver, a.k.a. the devil is a liar. A matter of fact, I opened up my Bible yesterday and I read it in John chapter 8, 44. And this is what John the Revelator warned us of the evil devil. He said, he was a murderer from the beginning. He's never held the truth for there is no truth in him. When he speaks or when he lies, he speaks his native language. That means everything that comes out of his mouth. How many of you are good old English talkers? We still learning how to talk. We got some... some Hillbilly and redneck American language. Come here. How many of you know what I just said? Every one of you. I said, come here. I just said it in the country lingo that we use. It is my native tongue. It is what I have learned to speak is country. And when I try to act sophisticated, I try to tighten up my words just a little more. But when I get carried away, the country automatically begins to kick in. I don't mean for it to, but you know what I'm talking about. It is natural. It happens. It is my native tongue. It is what I do. If you were born over in Mexico, you would be Espanol. You would speak the, the Spanish language. That would be your native tongue. It's what you're born into. So God says, John says, ever since the beginning, the native language of the devil has not changed. Everything that comes out of his mouth, it is a lie. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of all lies. So please be aware today, and I need you to grab this, 
that every time you heard a whisper in your ear that says you weren't good enough, it was a lie. I need you to know today that every time that you heard, maybe some of you young girls in school, all this pretty stuff, I'm not pretty enough. That's the devil whispering in your ear and I need you to understand, don't allow your self-esteem to be knocked to rock bottom. It is the devil and he is a lie. You are beautiful just the way God has made you. That thing that whispers in your ear, you'll never be successful, you'll never succeed. It is a lie, ladies and gentlemen. You'll never make a positive difference in this world. Those words the devil often uses to all of us. He'll say, you are useless. you are worthless. You're, you're worthless. You're not making any difference. But today I say to you, the devil is a liar and the father of all lies. And everything that he is telling you is a lie because that is what your enemy, the devil, does. You rebuke him in the powerful name of Jesus Christ and start declaring what thus saith the Lord from the word of God over your life. Because whatever the devil is telling you is the bipolar opposite of what God thinks about you. Is everybody still with me today? Is that simple preaching? I think it is. If the devil says it, it is a lie. Do not believe it. He's a deceiver. Secondly, I learned that the devil in my text is an accuser. In Revelation 12, 10, I heard a loud voice from heaven, and this is what it said. Now salvation, strength, and the kingdom of our God, the power of his Christ has come. Why? For the accuser of our brethren, that's the devil, who accused him before our God day and night, he has been cast down. In other words, Satan's other job is to do one thing, and that is to accuse you of things. His job is to point out to you every flaw that you have. Anybody got any? Any perfect people in the church today? Because if you are, I'm going to give you the mic and let you take it from here. But since you're so perfect, I'm taking these notes I have written down too. You can do it yourself. He is going to come and he is going to point out your flaws. He is going to point out your weaknesses. Because you've got him. He is going to exploit those weaknesses because most of the time we let him know what they are. We tell him what they are. We talk about it. We show the devil what our weaknesses are. He will point out our failures. And then he will tempt you to sin. Because remember, you're already a failure according to what he's telling you. And then he will act as a prosecutor and he will highlight all of those sins before a heavenly tribunal. A jury, so to speak. Oh, but this is why Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God. And the Bible said, I will rebuke the accuser for your sake. And I will say, you lying devil, they are underneath my blood. I died for them so that they could live a forgiven life. I'm pretty sure it's called the grace of God. And aren't you glad you got it today? That's what it is, the grace of God. So this is where I find in my text that I've got, I've got Satan. He is in chapter 1 of Job. He is accusing Job of some things. And this is where it gets interesting. He is accusing him of being a righteous man. 
What's bad about that, right? He came here to talk about, he thought about Job. He's like, yeah, man, that, that guy's righteous. That's a good Christian right there. He won't curse you. That man, man, I've tried, I've tried to tempt that guy. He just won't, won't give up on it. But this is what he accused Job of. It was not his flaws. It was not his weaknesses. It was not his failures because he couldn't find them. Even in your Bible, even God said, this is a perfect and an upright man. This is a holy guy if we've ever seen one. And when Satan gets in there, he accuses Job of being a righteous man only because there is a hedge of protection around him. Man, I could just preach that, give an altar call and call today right there. Aren't you glad for the hedge of protection that God puts around us sometimes? He says, there's a hedge every time I've tried to get to him. You won't let me get to him. He's protected from the enemy. My God, oh my folks, I want you to understand. The devil is powerful today. But God is sovereign. I'm going to say it again because some of you miss it. The devil is powerful, but my God is sovereign. What does it mean when I say that God is sovereign? The idea that God struggles against the darkness of this present world is absolutely absurd. To say that God doesn't have it under control is absolutely absurd. God is sovereign. When, 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 when we take on the, the ideology or the concept that God is sovereign, it expresses the idea that God is supreme. That means he is above all. He is supreme in his authority. He speaks, it happens. He is supreme in his power. There is nothing he cannot do. He is supreme and sovereign in his control. You know, y'all people that freaked out when Joe Biden won the presidency, y'all remember that? Some of you freaked out. Guess what? I didn't. You know why? He was in the hand of God. God's already told me in this book we call the Bible that he holds kings in his hands like water that's on the ocean. That means he controls Somebody said, well, we need all good presidents. Let me tell you something. What if every nation in the world had a good president? The end time would never happen. They wouldn't allow it to. If we had all these people screaming, peace, 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 like the hippies in the 70s and 80s, we wouldn't go nowhere. But guess what? God has strategically, in his sovereignty, put leaders and dictators and tyrannists into place that I'm telling you this thing is going to wrap up. World War III is going to happen. Something is going to happen. And I'm not going to lose my cool over it because I know that God is sovereign. You can ask the legion of demons. There were over 2,000 demons who fell at his feet when his feet, Jesus' feet, touched the shores of the Gadarenes and the demons came to him and bowed down and worshipped him because they knew who he was. The thought that this God is struggling is absolutely absurd. God is sovereign. And it asserts to us that God has absolutely ultimate authority over all of his creation. The birds in the air, the fish in the sea, the animals that roam the earth, the trees, your garden, the plants, everything going on today. This God that I serve, and yes, the devil too. Look at my text. 
God has complete control over the devil. And I want everybody to understand everything that happens in the universe happens according to his divine will. Whether you view that as a good thing or a bad thing, it's the divine will of God happening. And there is absolutely nothing I can do about it. There's nothing you can do about it. That's why God told him, said, when you hear of wars and rumors of wars and things are going crazy in the Middle East and Jerusalem and it looks like this thing's about to end, he says, don't you be troubled. In other words, I've got everything right here. Everything is going as planned. You just serve me, love me, win the world for Jesus Christ. That's what you got to do. Everything that happens is according to the divine will of God. That's another sermon for another day. I'm moving on. But there's something else I see in my text I want you to grab. This is what got me Friday. The filter of God. If you write down notes, I want you to put those four words. The filter of God. Coffee is life. Can I get an amen? I get up every morning. I don't want to talk to you. I don't feel like it. But once I've had my coffee, somebody said, well, it's psychological. I don't care what it is. It's me. It's what I do. I want my coffee. And once I have that one cup of coffee, I have enough strength to make it a little bit through the day. And then throughout the day, I add more and more cups to make it through the rest of the day. Coffee's a great thing. But there was an analogy that grabbed me Friday afternoon concerning the way that my coffee makes itself. Now, you can do this Folgers if you want to. God help y'all. You can do Maxwell House if you want to. God help y'all. They make some great beans. I know, I know my in-laws are going to holler hallelujah over there. They make these great beans that you just grind them and you get fresh ground coffee. I love it. And that's the way I make it. And I pour it into that filter. But then I've got a reservoir on the back of this Keurig that I have. And I pour the water in the reservoir. The water flows through the filter before. Somebody say before. Before it gets to the pot. Are y'all, everybody still with me? For you people that don't drink coffee, I want you to understand. I pour water in a reservoir. It feeds it up through. That water spits out just flaming hot. It pours over those freshly ground beans that I just ground. And it begins to go through that filter. And then it falls into the pot. There is a process in which you have to go through in order for everything to work out right. And I can see the filter of God in my text today. If it gets to me, it went through him first. I, so I'm going to repeat it. I need you to grab this. If it gets to me, it went through the filter of God first. Whenever Satan wanted Job, he had to ask permission to be able to access him. You tell me God's not sovereign. 
Now, I may not understand why God did it that way. I may not understand all the details. But what I do know is this. That Job was so righteous and he had it together, ladies and gentlemen. He had been praying. He had, oh, he was rich. He was wealthy. Everything is going for him. He's got a good life, all right? And then all of a sudden, I've got a God that's saying, this guy's perfect and upright. I've got a devil that's saying, I accuse him. That if you'll just drop a hedge from him, I'm going to get him. But this is what God already knew. You came to the right source, Satan. Let me tell you something. There's one thing I know about Job. If there's anybody that can make it through the hell on earth, he's the God that can do it. If there's anybody that's got enough faith to... See, I want you to understand. There's some people that if God would have lowered the hedge, they'd have cursed God to his face the first trial. But not Job. What I'm trying to tell you is God is sovereign and he knows what you can handle. And I'm telling you that there's a filtering process. Satan isn't just picking on you. It is because God trusts you with the trial that you are going through. He believes that you're going to come out better than before. I need you to grab this. So Satan goes to, goes to God, makes his accusation. But before Satan could get to Job, this hedge of protection, he goes through God first. God is sovereign. He has authority and power over our enemy. See, there are some of you in this building today that God has held off the enemy for you. There's some of you in this building today that you have a hedge of protection around your house. There's some of you right here listening to my sermon. There is a hedge about your life and you ought to be shouting hallelujah louder than anybody. If anybody's got a right to shout today, it ought to be those people that right now you feel protected. His banner over you is love. The devil's been trying to tempt you, but every time he does, that old devil, I'm telling you, God just fights against him, rebukes the adversary for your sake. But there are others in the building today that God has lowered the hedge. And you are in the middle of a battle fighting for your life against this devil we call the enemy. For you, take comfort in this, that God put limits on the enemy. And he says, you can go try Job. You can test Job. But devil, I'm going to allow you to go so far. But when I say enough is enough, you will stop immediately. God have mercy. Amen. This sovereign God. You may say, well, pastor, that doesn't encourage me much today. But it should because God is sovereign. And if I trust that God is in control of my life, all I have to do is hold on a little longer until God steps in and he gives me total victory over my enemy and he will do it sooner or later. Thirdly, I have the trials of Job written down. That old slew foot, the devil. He didn't waste any time. He left the throne of God and ran straight to Job's house. He didn't stop by McDonald's to get a burger. He's been waiting for this moment. He's going to prove God wrong. He's always had a beef with God. That's why he got thrown out of heaven because he thought he could be God. He's got a pride issue. In his heart. He's always wanted to be better than God was. And so this old slew foot runs straight to Job's house. 
The first thing that he attacks him with is a loss of wealth. Satan challenges Job's faithfulness, arguing that Job is only righteous because he's prosperous. He's got money. It's all good. But in response, God allowed Satan to take away Job's wealth. Read your Bible, Job chapter 1, verse 13 through 17. I don't have time. Raiders and natural disasters destroyed all of Job's livestock. His servants are killed. All but one escapes alive to come give him the next news that's going to happen in his journey. The next thing, he has a loss of family. Satan's, Satan suggests that, that Job's faith is contingent on his family's well-being. As long as his family's doing well, Job's doing well. The enemy will work through your family. He will try to tear your family apart. Why? He knows that's your heart. And that is exactly what happens. I was watching a movie not too long ago. And there was maybe the old Spider-Man. Where he said, we're going to hit him at his heart. And they went after his aunt. And then on another occasion, went after Mary Jane. The love of his life. He said, we're going to hit him in his heart. If we can cause a disruption in them, we can cause a disruption in Job. And that is exactly what happened. If I can do this and I can make him lose his family, so God permits Satan to take away Job's children, all ten of them. They are killed as a tornado comes through, a great wind collapses the house while they're just trying to share a meal together. All ten of his children die. One guy gets out to run, give the news to Job. Job, you just all saw your children. Almost the next verse. He afflicts Job's health. Well, Job's integrity is based on the fact that if I take away his good health, if his health is affected, he'll curse God. So God grants Satan permission. Do y'all hear the word I'm using here? Grants. And I use the word Permission. Because unless God, this filter of God, unless he gives Satan permission, the devil don't have the authority or the power to do it. Woo! My God Almighty. He attacks his health. Permission to afflict Job physically. Job develops in Job chapter 2 verse 7. There's painful canker sores that come all over his body. From the top of his head to the very soles of his feet. It just makes him itch. In one place, good old King James Version says, says he took a pod shirt. That's basically something that holds a flower. All it is, is is hard clay, a pot, clay pot. He breaks and he just starts rubbing himself like a dog with manes just scratching himself. And he's rubbing all over his body. But yet this Job is still faithful and he does not curse God. But then he's got three friends that are critical counselors and they come to him. Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. The Bible says that when they came to visit him initially, they just all sat in silence and looked at him. He's a broken man. Tears running down his face. He has lost his children. He's got ashes just like they do in the Jewish still to this day. They're an Ash Wednesday. And you'll see people and they have black on their head. That's how they pray. That's how they mourn. And so they rub their ashes all over him. He's sitting here in sackcloth and ashes. And he's mourning. His three friends are just sitting here just staring at him. When they finally do open up their mouth, when they do speak, it's not, Job, we've been praying for you. Job, we're sorry to hear about your children. Job, we're sorry you're dealing with this. The Bible said that when they opened their mouth, they were filled with accusations just like Satan was. 
They were pawns of Satan. They were used by Satan and, uh, and assumptions that they said they believed Job must have sinned to bring this calamity on himself. That's the only reason you're here is because you've sinned. Job laments throughout the book. He expresses deep sorrow, despair. He questions the reasons behind his suffering. He longs to present his case to God. In other words, he wants to ask God, God, why are you making me go through this? But in chapter 38 through 41, God gives a response to Job. And he responds to his questions and his challenges. And in a series of speeches... God emphasizes to Job, first off, who he is. He lets him know he has all wisdom. He lets him know that all power is in his hands. And he reminds Job of his sovereignty. Oh my God, have mercy. He even asked him a question. He said, where were you, Job, when I formed the earth? In other words, you weren't here, but I was. I know better than you do. How does this thing end? Well, many of you are asking that question today. I want to give it to you. Job 23, verse 8. Just leave it up until I tell you to move it there, Chevy. You're asking the question today. How in the world does this thing close? Let me show you really quick. He says, look, I go forward, but he is not there. I go backward, but I cannot perceive him. And I want to leave it there, and I want to walk you through this really quick. Job says, what's forward? That's the future, right? So Job says, I look forward to it, but I could not see it. I look forward to getting my miracle. But no matter how hard I look forward, I could not see it coming. I look forward to victory, but victory was so far away that I could barely see it. Has anybody in the house tried to look into your future? Have you, like Job, tried to see where this was going, but the future that you were looking at was murky? It was dark, and no matter how hard you tried, you just could not make sense of the future, of what was forward. Job felt so discouraged from his trials that he says, I'm trying so hard, but I cannot even find God in my future. Sounds pretty hopeless, don't it, folks? He says, I have even looked backward behind me. I'm looking at where I've been and I can't even understand that season either. In other words, I look back trying to figure out why I'm here. Perhaps I can find something in the past that has created this mess that I'm going through right now. But he couldn't. Verse 9. When he works on the left hand, I cannot behold him. When he turns to the right hand, I cannot see him. Leave it there. I looked on the left hand and I could not behold him. Another version says it this way, Jeff. It says, I looked on the left hand and he was hidden from me. Do, do, do you know hide and seek is a fun game in real life? I used to hide, this is no lie, I played with my kids hide and seek and I literally crawled in cabinets that I could hardly fit into just to try to hide from them. That's how competitive I am. That's why I'm so broken today, I guess. If you're really smart, you will tell them to hide and stay in there until you find them while you listen to the birds chirp as you drink your coffee on the back porch. <laughs> That's when you've understood what hide and seek is all about as a parent. But hide and seek is not fun when I'm looking for God to come through for me. When I'm looking on the left hand and he's hidden. I can't see God. I can't see him. 
When I'm needing a miracle fast, the last thing I want to do is have to look for, for God, right? But this is where Job is. I looked on the right hand and I cannot see him. The right hand, you know it, and I could preach a whole sermon. It's the hand of favor, of provision, protection. This is the hand of blessing, right? You want the right hand of God. The Bible said that when you fall, he'll reach down with his right hand and strengthen you. The right hand is the hand we want. But another version said it this way. When I look at the right hand, he is concealed. I have what they call a concealed weapons permit. CWP. It is legal. I have a license, which means that that permits me to carry a gun concealed in South Carolina. Do you understand what it means to conceal a weapon? The word by definition means to keep it out of sight or hidden from view. So just because a weapon is concealed doesn't mean that I don't have a weapon on me today. I still have the weapon, but you can't see it. I, I, oh God, I, I need somebody to grab this thing. Maybe it's just my analogy, but I need to tell somebody here today in this service that just because God is concealed, it doesn't mean that He's not there because He's still there. Just because you cannot feel Him right now and you're going through hell on earth right now, I want you to know He may be out of sight. He may be out of view, but I'm telling you just because you can't feel Him right now like you have in the past doesn't mean He isn't watching over you your life. And in this season that you're dealing with the trials and pains because he is, you are not alone. God is. Amen. Job has literally been through hell on earth. And hold it for just a minute. Don't go there yet because I'm not ready for it. I'll tell you when. But the next verse that I'm going to unlock here in just a moment unlocks a miracle in his life. Up to this point, Job cannot understand or make sense of his trials. He wants to, but it, he, he still can't get it. He doesn't understand. He has tried to be faithful. He has tried to be a good person. He has tried to be a good Christian, even when he doesn't understand. Let me show you. During the trial, this is during the trial. I'm going to give you a few quotes that Job said. He said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord has given and the Lord has taken away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. As long as I live, while I have breath in me from God, my lips will speak no evil and my tongue will speak no lies. For though he wounds me, he also bandages. He strikes, but his hands also heal. This is not a rich Job. This is a poor Job that has lost everything. And he says, but as for me, I know that my Redeemer lives. He will stand upon the earth at last. And after my body has decayed, yet in my body I shall see God. Hallelujah. I will see him for myself. Yes, I will see him with my own eyes. I am overwhelmed at the thought of it. He's trying to tell us that this present world and the mess I'm going through, I get so excited, overwhelmingly excited at the thought that one day I'm going to see Jesus. Job's literally been through hell on earth, folks. But the next verse, go ahead and put it up, Chevy. 
I'm going to get a swallow of water while they process it. The next verse unlocks a miracle in Job's life. But he knows. I don't know. Y'all don't know. But he knows. Oh, I'm about to unlock the miracle right here. He says, I can't see God in front of me. I can't see him behind me. On the left hand, he's hidden. On the right hand, I know he's got to be there somewhere, but he's concealed right now. It doesn't mean he's not there, but I really can't see him. I really can't feel him. But one thing I do know is that he knows. He knows. My God. He knows the way that I take. And when he has tested me, I shall come forth as pure gold. Please hear what I'm telling us today in this building. You've looked in front of you, behind you, to the left, to the right. And you don't know where in the world you're headed. But I need to tell you today that God is already there at the end of this thing. God already knows how this thing is going to end. So lift up your head and rejoice in your God. He knows and he is going to bring you out on the other side and you're going to be stronger than you've ever been before. You're going to shine like pure gold and all the world is going to see it and they're going to know it. You're going to glow with the glory of God again in your life. I'm going to leave you with this. I need the devil to hear this scripture today. And then I'll close. Because I need to remind the devil if he's gotten a little proud again and if he's gotten a little haughty and thinking that he has everything just the way he wants it. The cards have been dealt. He's looked at the hand. Everything is playing to his advantage. I need him to hear Job 42 and verse 12 through 16. So the Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life even more than in the beginning. For now, somebody say now. After, what does that mean? After the trial. For now. He had 14,000 sheep. He only had 7,000 before. He's got 6,000 camels. For y'all really good with math, he only had 3,000 before. He had 1,000 teams of oxen now. Before, he only had 500. Now he's got 1,000 female donkeys. Now, before, he only had 500. He also gave Job seven more sons, gave him three more daughters. His first daughter just reminds me of Jamama, and I just like pancakes and syrups. So I'm just going to go to verse 15. In all the land, no women were as lovely as the daughters of Job. And their father put them into his will along with their brothers. Aren't you women glad for that? Verse 16. Job lived 140 years. You ready? Do you see those two words? After 
What I'm trying to tell you is that Job made it after the trial. God said, I am good. Oh yeah, you had to go through hell on earth. You went through this mess. But let me tell you something, boy. I'm about to bless you again. And I'm going to give you double what you had before. And all the world's going to see it. And there's going to know that there's a sovereign God out there. And after this trial, you're going to hang around for 140 years. In blessing a double portion of the spirit and power of God. You're going to live to see four generations of your children and your grandchildren. Verse 17. Then old Job died. He didn't die because of his trial. The bulls didn't kill him. Losing his children didn't kill him. His sickness did not kill him. He died an old man who had lived a long, full life. So if I were to tell you to take any man or woman in that book we call the Bible, and I want you to tell me which one went through the worst experience of any man alive, where are you going? Where? Where are we going? What book? We're going to the book of Job. But if I show you a man that walked in more favor than anybody else, where are we going? <laughs> There's people that have lost everything. Do you know how hard it is to recoup after you've lost everything? It's next to impossible to get back to where you started. And even if you do, it takes years and years and years. People go bankrupt. People lost money in the stock market. 2008, absolutely crashed. They had all their, all their eggs in one little basket and it blew up and exploded and they're still trying to catch up. Haven't even caught up to this, this date, 2023. But Job did and he had more than he'd ever had before. So he may have went through hell on earth for a while, but he ended up with a double portion blessing. I need you to go to the piano. Your ending is going to be better than your beginning. Pastor, how can you be so sure? Because I believe in a sovereign God. And I also believe that Satan, our enemy, is operating within God's boundaries. And any time that God says it is over, the devil has to leave you alone. It is not something that you're going to have to wait a year for. It's not something you're waiting six months for. When God says enough is enough, immediately the devil has to leave your house. Immediately, the devil has to leave your life. The sickness you're fighting, it's got to go. All you need is for Jesus to say enough is enough. But what you've got to do while you're going through the trial, it would be easy to quit. It would be easy to give up. But there's a God in the heaven above that knew you could handle it. He knew you'd be faithful. He knew you've been through it before and you came out of the other side. And God believes in you. Or God wouldn't have let the devil. There's a filter that went through. There's a filter of God. Satan didn't just come to you. God allowed him to. Because God knew that your story was going to end better than it started. Let's all stand. I'm done. I'm done. Woo. So I believe in all of that. I also believe that God has an amazing plan for your life today. Everybody in this building. In Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11. For, somebody say it. 
Oh man, I can't even hear y'all. Y'all ain't grabbed the chat. Who's talking? Is it me? Is it you? Who's declaring this? It's a sovereign God that says, For I know. I don't doubt it. I don't question it. I know the plans that I have for you declares the Lord there's plans to prosper you I am not going to harm you I've got plans to give you a hope and guess what you may not think you have one but God said I know you're going to have a future this is what I hear God saying He knows where you are, and He knows where you are going. All you got to do is trust. What are you playing? I don't know that song. It sounds good. I kind of like it. You ever heard that song? But I, but, hit a, hit a C. Hit a G. You hate G, don't you? Many things, let's go back, take me to F. Many things, kind of baby, about tomorrow. Oh, yeah. That I don't see to understand. I need a female voice.
universe from day to day. I don't bother, roll from the sunshine for its skies may turn to gray, and I don't worry or the See, for I know, for I know what Jesus, what he said. And today, today I walk beside him, for he knows what lies ahead. Sing it with me. Well, today I praise you. Jesus, today I thank you. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your anointing. Thank you for coming into this place today. For touching hearts, for touching lives. For letting us know that you know. You know what we're going through. You know what we're dealing with. You know the troubles that we see. But we thank you, Lord, that you have been there through it all. You know where we are. You know where we are going. And right now in Jesus' name, I declare it over everyone in this building today that the hand of God is going to come to where they are. And that this sovereign God that we serve, He is not only going to come to where they are, but he is going to rebuke the devourer for their sake. He is going to rebuke the enemy, Satan that has come against him, the adversary. And he is going to give us victory over him and everything that the enemy would do. We declare it so. We declare it so. In the powerful and the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Oh, could you give God praise in the house?
Could you give Jesus a hand clap of praise in the house? Today, have you been touched by God today? Have you felt a spirit in your life today? Take that with you home. Allow God to do more for you. I'm telling you, God is about to bless you if you can just trust Him for that. Today, as Operation Christmas, Operation Christmas Child is closing, the boxes are due today. Dylan's already back there. I see him just drop your boxes off right there in the hallway. We also, Jen and Brandison Anderson, are expecting their little baby boy in just a few weeks. There's a diaper shower box available in the infant nursery. If you go out these doors and turn right, it is that door on the right. We're going to be taking diapers through, a, I think there's a box. Where's Sandra at? You've got a box in there. Just drop them in there and we'll take care of it. Jen and Brandon will pick those up every week or two as that box fills up. Wednesday, November 22nd, no evening classes. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. I also, before I leave today, I, it, it is it was Veterans Day this past week. I do want to ask you, if you were a veteran, can you just throw your hand up? How many do I have veterans in the house today? I've got James Hooper. I've got... I've I've got a, a lady back here. I've, I've got Mark back here. I've got Andy over here. Before we leave today, we want to honor you with a hand clap today and thank you for your service to our nation. May God continue to bless you and your family as you have served for our freedom. We love you today and we honor you as well. Let's go ahead and play that music. God bless you today is our prayer. Shake hands, let somebody know you love them and it was good to see them in church today. Be 